0: Let's pray together as we look at God's word. God, you're already among us, you're with us. You're always in the midst of the family. And we thank you for that, we bless it. And God, we just pray for more and that you would speak to us. God, that you would speak to our hearts, to our family, to our church, um, as we join you in what you're doing in our region and the nations for your glory. Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, you can turn in your Bibles or in your device, get to Matthew 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, an account about John the Baptist. If you're visiting today and you don't know who I am, I'm Joel, I'm the lead pastor here at the TAB, and thank you for joining us today. It means a lot to us uh, that you would choose uh, to spend this time on this snowy Sunday morning with us. So thank you so much. Um, I I do hope that this season of fasting that we're in has been a blessing for you. Um, I don't think it's any mistake, you know, that two Sundays, if you were here uh, two Sundays ago, that we encountered the Lord like we did on the first day of our fast. I think one thing that we've learned over the years is that uh, one thing fasting does in a church and in a community is it shakes. I will often use that language and uh, it will shake things up. Um, And we experience that every time we fast together. But in that shaking, although some things can feel tumultuous in that shaking, we will also often experience a kind of acceleration in that shaking too. So it's both, it's shaking and acceleration. And sometimes to accelerate things need to be shook. Um, And so I just wanna thank you for uh, joining in on this special time together. So, a couple Sundays ago, I said that we were going to try to do a few sermons, at least a couple, on the theme of spiritual hunger as we started this, this fast together. And there's a sense in which today I will be talking about spiritual hunger, although today's going to be a different kind of sermon, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but I wanted to let you know... Because of the way God visited us two weeks ago, and then Steve had a message on his heart for you last week, I got to listen in on the podcast to his message, um, and then then today we're going to look at John the Baptist. Uh, it's kind of been a patchy series on hunger, but we're going to call that our series on spiritual hunger. Okay, <laughs> these these three Sundays, and then next Sunday. Uh, Jake and I actually are going to start a four-week series on our value of being Christ-centered. So when we start worshiping in our second location, which will be February 27th, um, our worship leaders, our worship team are one of the groups that's gonna be stretched a bit, and we're gonna be leaning into Jake at both locations. And so as we were setting up the preaching schedule, uh, Jake and I said, let's go ahead, the two of us get a series in before he's kind of stretched in leading worship. So we're going to spend the next four Sundays uh, looking at four of my favorite passages about the identity of Jesus Because he is the reason that we gather. He's the one who we gather around and if we're gonna preach we should preach Jesus. Amen So we're gonna preach him uh, the next few weeks now Although I am gonna root what I say today in a passage of scripture um, Today is a family day in many ways and if this is your first time here at the tab. Well, welcome to the family um, Uh, One of our values is, when we talk about being a family on mission, that we are a family that goes and grows, and so you are welcome here to grow with us and to go with us, as God calls us, to the neighborhoods and the nations. But today is a little bit of a family day because I want to, I'm going to root it in scripture, but I want to talk a bit about the future of the gospel tab, some things that God is stirring in us in this season, um, just to keep you involved and praying. But first, let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. It's a passage about John the Baptist, who was Jesus's earthly cousin and a prophet And uh, a few weeks ago, I was in prayer in the morning. I think it was like the second week of Advent. I was in prayer in in the morning, and I was in this passage, and I just really felt like there was a word in this for us in this season. And so that's why I want to look at, at this together. So I'm gonna read it, it'll be on the screen too. I'm gonna stop at some different points and comment on some things. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, Isaiah, who was a prophet himself, and that's where this is quoted from, Isaiah was a prophet hundreds of years before John the Baptist was alive, prophesied about a prophet who would come, and said that there would be a prophet in the wilderness who would prepare God's people, the nation of Israel, uh, for the coming of the Messiah, that there would be a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Um, Now, the way John does this, as you're going to see, is by embodying the message that God has given him. And whether it's a prophet in the Old Testament kind of variety or a prophet in the New Testament variety, this very much comes along with the prophetic gift. This might be helpful in you understanding how God works in certain people who are prophetically gifted. And we have no reason to believe that God isn't working prophetically today, that there aren't people today who aren't operating in prophetic gifts and that's something that we experience here at the gospel tab all the time uh, together but one mark of the prophetic in a person can be that that person will physically embody the message that god has given to them there's a physicality to the prophetic Uh, god will often use a prophet's body and mouth and hands and feet to demonstrate something that he is trying to speak. And this is true even in our life here at the Gospel Tab. You may notice there's some people in our midst who have a very physical way of worshiping, a very physical way of being. Not all the time, but many times, those people are prophetically gifted, and that's a very biblical thing. You see it both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So this is what's happening with John. Um, He's ending up in the wilderness with this prophetic gift. I just want to point out here... He's, he's outside of the establishment of both the king, King Herod, the center of kind of political power in Israel, and he's outside the, the religious establishment of the temple. So John isn't preaching in the middle of the temple or in the middle of King Herod's court. He's going out to the wilderness and saying, hey, out here, I have something to say outside of all of that. I have something to say about what God is doing. And this is also something about the prophetic that sometimes the prophetic does not fit inside of our neat systems. Sometimes it doesn't fit inside of our religious systems. Sometimes it doesn't fit inside of our leadership systems. Um, You know how, like, at its best, the United States Constitution was written with the systems of checks and balances so that there was kind of independent power in different places of the U.S. government? Well, that was kind of God's design and how he worked with the prophetic. He would raise up these prophets who weren't part of the political establishment, weren't part of the religious establishment, and they would speak a prophetic word. As a matter of fact, just a word of warning that's true of the day in which we live, and it's true in every age. This age isn't, isn't like different this way. It's a temptation in the prophetic in all ages. But there is a temptation for certain prophetic voices to get compromised by political power. And you should be aware or beware of prophetic voices that are compromised by political power. All throughout the Old Testament, there were prophets who cozied up to the king, and and they couldn't resist the temptation to tell the king what he wanted to hear, right? But John isn't that kind of prophet. He's a prophet who goes out to the wilderness. He's outside of all of that, unconcerned with it, Um, not impressed by it, and he's not trying to impress it, right? Um, He's just out there doing his thing. And this kind of makes some prophets weird, right? But it's what God uses um, to speak, to get people's attention. So let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 4. Here's some of the weirdness. Brace yourself. Verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. He doesn't care about fashion, He's not trying to impress you or anybody else, right? He's out there in the wilderness. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea. John has a powerful iPad right there in that chair. (laughs) It's okay. We're good. One thing we are not at the gospel tab is produced. So we're fine. All right. Uh, So he's out there doing his thing. Now, verse six, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And this is part of that physicality thing this prophet who is embodying the message that God has given that and 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 listen to how it's being embodied part of what John is saying just not just with his words but by his being is that God is doing something out here aside from the religious and political establishment he's doing something out here that is Jesus right Jesus didn't come from the religious establishment or the political establishment. So John is in his way, not just in his words, but in the way he's delivering the words, is sending a message. But God has given him also this physical sign of water baptism for repentance. Now John did not make up water baptism. It was practiced by the Jewish people. It's just that very typically it would have been practiced in the temple or the synagogue. John is doing something different. And he is practicing a baptism of water, an outward sign of inward repentance, out in the wilderness, and people are going out there to see him. It's like, "Hey guys, doing something outside of all of this." Well, of course, the establishment doesn't like that. So verse seven: When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who are two sects of religious leaders, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "You brood of vipers." That's a greeting. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is John's message, repentance, which is a turning. Turn from what you know to Jesus. That's John's message. Turn from whatever you know to Jesus. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. He's saying your religious tradition isn't going to save you in this age where God is working. He goes on, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is a physical prophetic sign. Every baptism in water is a prophetic sign of something that God is doing. We embody a word from God right, in baptism, that he has saved us, that we have repented. But then he goes on to say, after, one, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John here is not just teaching one baptism, but two. He's saying there's a baptism in water for repentance. And by the way, that's one that we can easily enough participate in. We can fill up the tank and dunk you any Sunday you want. All right? And we have many times here at the Gospel tab, right? That's something we can do. But he's saying there's a baptism of fire that only Jesus can do. A being immersed in God's presence, a being immersed in the fire of God that only Jesus can give. And so John is saying, I'm doing one kind of baptism, but there's another one coming, and it's coming at the hands of one who is infinitely greater than me. And then verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The picture here is of a farmer that has brought in the harvest and has a fork, a big fork, to separate the wheat from the weeds, right? And he's saying that this quality of separation will actually follow the presence of Jesus. Friends, do you realize this? That Jesus, Jesus' presence, wherever he goes, wherever he went back then, wherever he shows up today by his spirit, fundamentally has a quality of judgment associated with it. And here's why. It's because everybody has to decide what they're going to do with Jesus, Right? Every time Jesus came to a town, that town had to decide if they were going to accept or reject him. Everywhere he went, there was judgment, right? The chaff was being separated from the wheat. He's saying this one will have a winnowing fork in his hand. Just by his presence, he will separate what is true from what is false, what is real from what is not real. He will separate all of this. And friends, it's still true when Jesus shows up by his spirit. You know, Jesus has ascended to the Father. We're waiting for his return, but he has sent his spirit. And when Jesus' own spirit shows up in an environment, there still is that same quality of separation. You see it at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Some of the crowd is down for what is happening. Some of the crowd is not. And this happens every time Jesus shows up in a room. Just look at the history of American revival. You cannot find a revival that did not cause separation between relationships, separation between friends, separation between parents and their kids, separation between spouses. Jesus' Jesus's presence is like a winnowing fork that will separate, right? And all along the way, people are either leaning in, it might be confused or discomforted or upset, but they're either leaning in or they're leaning away. Jesus' presence just does that, right? And so John is saying, as Jesus comes, this quality is going to follow him. As he comes with this baptism of fire, that there will be a separation that happens. Um, We need to know that because there is a cost in singing a song like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, right? Um, To ask Jesus' spirit to show up in a room always comes with a cost, and it's the cost of his judgment. It's the cost of—I do prefer this, thank you. It's the cost of his judgment. It's the cost of his separation. Um, It just can't be avoided. Now, I'm going to come back to this passage in just a little bit, because I think it's incredibly relevant for what God is doing among us today. But just for a minute here— Can we have a family conversation about the gospel tab and some things that are on my heart? Back in the fall, I preached a series on three words that I felt like God was giving us in this season that I feel like are very much still alive and there's a prophetic history to these words, a series of events and dreams and discernment as a community that we just felt like God was speaking to us in a certain kind of way. And these three words had to do with multiplication, regionalization and generational transfer. First of all, multiplication being just how God has called us to cooperate with him in uh, reproducing life. And obviously that happens biologically, but it, it is how God has worked spiritual life into the church as well, that we multiply, that the fundamental orientation of God's people should not be just to collect and conserve and protect, but to multiply. Um, to give away new life to neighborhoods and communities, to give ourselves away radically and to believe that God always provides when we join him in that work. And so for us, over the years, that has looked like the multiplication of leaders and ministries, more recently church plants. We know that God has called us to that. Secondly, regionalization. I think as we look back over the last 15 years, we can identify that God has done something in Aliquippa. And the gospel tab has been part of that story, but not... The only uh, person in that story, there's been a lot of people who have nothing to do with the Gospel tab who have been part of that story as well. Other churches and leaders and ministries, but God has given us grace to be part of that story on some level. But we recognize that whatever stirring is happening here, it seems like God is taking that to some different cities as well. And so already some of us are involved in ministry as far as the east of Pittsburgh Um, and going into the border of Ohio. There's been a regionalization that's just happened. I think I said this in the fall. None of us woke up one day and said, let's do multiplication and regionalization and generational transfer. I think we're just finding language for what God is already doing among us and trying to describe it and trying to partner with it and trying to submit to it. And the last word was generational transfer. Um, Part of multiplication is generational transfer. And all across our little movement, not just the Gospel tab, but also the network that we're a part of, the ministries that we're connected to, I see this generational transfer happening. Sometimes it's from older leaders to younger leaders, but that's not the only way it's happening. Sometimes it's just from established leaders to newer leaders that God is bringing, even if those newer leaders are older than us. But I just see this transfer happening. Um, that as we give away what we have, God continues to raise up new leaders. Now, I've gotten feedback over the years, and I totally understand why this is the case. Listen, I read a book on the Civil Rights Movement. Well, actually, it was the last book that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote before his assassination, From Chaos to Community is the name of the book. You should read it. But in that book, he's talking about the civil rights movement, which really was a decentralized movement. We tend to think of it in a monolithic way like, oh, it was MLK and he was in charge of everything. But that's not how the movement was happening. We remember MLK in a particular way because of the visible role that he played, and especially after his assassination. Um, But the truth was there were many leaders, and all of those leaders didn't always agree. There wasn't a central office for the civil rights movement. right? It was this movement that was happening. So I read that book last. And he's talking about all these leaders and all these groups. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it would be hard to make an organizational chart out of this. You know what I mean? Because movements are hard to fit into an organizational chart. It's one of the characteristics of a movement. Well, I think we have some of that, um, as small as we are. And so sometimes it's hard to tell what spaces people are leading in or who is leading what or what organization is what. And I get it. And I wish I could clear it up for you, but I would have to understand it then. And I just, I'm still trying to figure it out, (laughs) all right? Um, But I think what we've seen is just the multiplication of this life, you know, that's happened. And oftentimes I feel like I'm trying to catch up to it and trying to understand it. It's a weird thing to be in the middle of something and trying to understand what's happening because I think we really have a sense that this has happened as God has led us. Nonetheless, can I just define some things for you before we go any further, so you have at least a chance of understanding what I'm talking about? Can we do that? Okay, so first of all, where you are sitting now is a church called the Gospel Tabernacle. So let's start as basic as we can. I have a logo up there. Can we throw that logo up? I'm giving you guys visualizations today. Can we put that logo up on the screen? There, the Gospel Tabernacle, that's where you are. Now, here's how the leadership structure works at the Gospel Tabernacle. Our, our 105-year-old church this year, we turn 105 this year. Um, our, the Gospel Tabernacle ultimately is led by what we call the leadership team. So the leadership team is a group of men and women, elders and deacons, who I think, typically, there's eight of them, um, including me, the lead pastor, to make nine, um, who lead the overarching vision and mission and direction of the Gospel Tabernacle. Every year, we select those leaders from among our own numbers. So we're going to select a few of those leaders next week on Sunday night. Um, I want you to know I've been on staff now going on like 15 years and we have just always had a really good group of leaders. Um, Different people, they rotate on and off, but we've just had such a a great group. Um, Normally, among that group of leaders, they will select a lead elder um, who plays a role with me as the lead pastor, and connecting uh, what God is doing among the church's staff, which I'll say more about in a little bit, to what God is doing in the life of the church and um, you know, the people who are part of the gospel tabernacle. Um, recently, the leadership team has asked Michael Witterman to serve as our lead elder in this upcoming season, and that's going to be important for some of the things that I'm going to be telling you. Can we just thank Michael? We love you. <laughs> And so he'll be serving in that role. He's gonna be closing the service here today. Now that's the leadership team, but we also have a pastoral staff. And our pastoral staff is made up of men and women who are employed by the church to function in certain ministry functions. Right now, there are seven of us on staff at the church Um, But for some reasons that uh, I'll get to in a second, the gospel tab is set up very differently. We are not program heavy, and we are not set up just to run programs for ourselves. Uh, We're set up for mission. So in some ways, even though we have seven staff members here at the church, um, it means that uh, we, we can do a lot with less staff. So we actually only have one full-time staff member. There's seven of us, but there's only one full-time staff member, and it's Steve Rossi. Steve, you wanna raise your hand? Who (laughs) serves, oh, we love each other. I'm not surprised, but you know what I mean, it's just nice. Um, Steve's official title is our executive pastor because he oversees a lot of the operations here stuff related to budget and building and I would really appreciate it if henceforth you call him executive pastor <laughs> all right <laughs> and so, but, so he doesn't like that so that's that's Steve's role it's what's on his job description and he is the only full-time staff member here everybody else me included even though I'm the lead pastor I'm gonna say more about this in a second is a part-time staff member here at the tab and often employed by another employer outside of uh, a ministry organization, maybe in the community or whatever, or they're employed in another ministry organization. But every Monday, our staff gets together. We pray for you, we learn together, we make plans, and we carry out a lot of the details that are required here at the Gospel tab. Um, Aside from those folks, um, well, actually, there's overlap here both here and at the Franklin Avenue location, which we'll pick up again here soon, we've had what we call campus leaders. That's been Michael and Brooke here, it's been Devonte and Kiara down at Franklin Avenue. And basically those people just help shepherd the service, uh, they help people get connected, they help us plan the service, all of those kinds of things. They're just servants for all of you as we gather together in worship. So that's the Gospel tab, that's where you're at today. So now you know, all right? But there's some other things that we talk a lot about here. The next one is the Greenhouse Network. So back in 2005, um, this church started a youth development organization in the community called Alquip Impact, which still exists to this day, and, but it's a separate organization. And over the years, that organization was in partnership with another organization in our community called Uncommon Grounds Cafe, and I see... Herb and crew are back there today. And let me tell you a cool story. When I was in college, there were leaders from Uncommon Grounds Cafe, which was really leading the way in engaging Franklin Avenue in our community for the mission of Jesus. Uh, They were coming here and saying things I had never heard people have the guts to say to our church, right? And there was just a prophetic voice in that. It was a voice in the wilderness that was like, hey, you know God's doing something out here. Right? Not just in here, but out here, right? And so, Uncommon Grounds Cafe just affected us. And that was before I was even on staff here. But as Uncommon Grounds Cafe, Aliquippa Impact, and then some other organizations, businesses as mission, nonprofit organizations started to get birthed over the years. In 2018, we said, hey, this is something, like something's happening, let's call it something. And we decided to call it the Greenhouse Network. Uh, The Greenhouse Network is a decentralized, released family on mission made up of uh, about 30 missional outposts. Missional outposts are nonprofit organizations, businesses as mission, house churches, which we call missional communities or church plants, and they extend from now east of Pittsburgh into Ohio, right? So every week, literally thousands of people are being reached by that network, most of whom will not come through the Gospel tab. But we are uh, essentially connected to that network, so that's network. I co-direct that network with Brandy Pupi, who's sitting right here, right? So, um, when we created the network, we said, oh, we could use an organization that could help support that network and its leaders, and so we started a new nonprofit organization called the Greenhouse Lab, which is on Franklin Avenue. Um, on the corner of Spring Street and Franklin Avenue. in Savannah, I think I have a, a logo for that too so that you can imprint this on your mind. Here's the Greenhouse Lab. The Greenhouse Lab is serving leaders and organizations, um, providing them with a bunch of support as they serve Jesus on mission, but it's also helping our neighbors, some of our neighbors experiencing poverty, start businesses of their own whether or not they believe what we believe or share our convictions, we're just happy to serve them as they uh, start businesses of their own. So John Jordan over here is the executive director of the Greenhouse Lab, right? And, and case in point, John is on staff here at the church, he has been for a long time, he's a pastor here, but he, he serves at the Greenhouse Lab as the executive director, okay? Is this helpful for you guys if you've been confused about all this? Uh, praise God. Okay, now, Here's something else. I didn't try to put it in an organizational chart because it would just look so messy. You know what I mean? But maybe we'll get there someday. It's not how my mind works. Next, this church is part of a larger family of churches called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And we are part of a geographical district called the Western Pennsylvania District. Savannah, you got it, perfect. The Western Pennsylvania District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, There's about 150 churches in our district. There's a number of those churches that were planted out of a revival that happened in Pittsburgh in the early 1900s. We are one of those churches. Um, Many churches in our district are uh, 100 years old or something like that. Um, But in our district, we have a district superintendent. His name is Dave Noggle. He's been here before. He helped us celebrate our 100th anniversary. And Dave is a leader for our district that serves our churches in following Jesus on mission. Now, within our district, there's an initiative called Multiply WPA, which is our next logo. And I am leading this initiative now in Western Pennsylvania uh, as um, the church multiplication director for our district. So here's something you should know. I'm on staff with the district, and I think we've said this before, but that, that's where I'm on staff, is uh, with the Western Pennsylvania District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And we're helping to plant churches, set up systems for multiplication in partnership with the network. And one of our church planters, Wes and Sarah Sherry, are sitting here in the back row today. We love you guys. We love you guys. They are planting in East McKeesport, and I'm so glad that you guys are with us today. And how all of this connects, this is the closest thing we have to to, an organizational chart, is we have an engagement pathway here at the Gospel tab. Um, I'm not gonna go through all of it, but it takes from visitor, okay, so someone's just visiting on a Sunday, through all of these things, grounded, which just got announced, the partner class, which just got announced, discipleship opportunities, um, ways to get involved. But here's how the Gospel tab, I think, is uh, just really trying to structure ourselves to follow Jesus on mission. This right here is not a closed loop system, meaning that we do not exist just to serve ourselves. We do not exist just to keep the machine going. We don't exist just to get bigger, to collect people and finances and all those kinds of things. Fundamentally, the whole church is structured to launch people into mission. And so you see here in the right-hand corner, Greenhouse Network, Greenhouse Lab, and then the Christian Missionary Alliance has a global network of people who are serving in all different kinds of nations proclaiming Jesus. We want to be a place where people can encounter Jesus, grow in his word, get filled with the spirit, and launch into the thing that God has called them to. It doesn't mean that everybody's gonna start something, but we can all serve something, right? We can all be part of a team. And we are structured in that way, all right? The whole thing is designed for that. Uh, We didn't have this engagement pathway even a year ago, but this has been incredibly clarifying for our staff to know what our job should be and how we can serve you best. And the leadership team has been working on this for a long time, okay? So that's my little lesson on where you're at and what's going on. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Now, here's some particular announcements. Um, just about some things that are happening. First of all, a few months ago in September, we announced a search for a youth pastor. Um, we just saw that many times our youth ministry had not been adequately resourced um, by uh, leadership and staff and all those things. And so the leadership team of the church carved out some resources in our budget to begin to search for a youth pastor. Now, a few months ago, we had a parent meeting back here in the overflow room, and we were just getting feedback from our parents on what that search should entail and what we should be looking for for a youth pastor. And I said to the parents who gathered there that day, we often don't even fully realize it here at the Gospel Tab because we're in relationship with each other, we're engaged in mission, we're not perfect by a long shot, but things feel alive. And I think sometimes um, we're not fully in touch with how drastically the landscape of the American church is changing all around us. So for instance, I don't know if this statistic is holding true, but there's a research group that said that during the pandemic, a full 40% of people who attend Bible-believing churches stopped attending church permanently, all right? So 40%, so they are predicting mass closures. Of churches in this next season. As a matter of fact, right now, what is happening, you can read about in the news, are mass resignations of pastors. Uh, Between political turmoil and the pandemic and all these things, there's plenty of people who are saying, it's just not worth it. Um, And they're stepping out of their positions. Like hundreds and thousands of people are just stepping out of their positions. I don't feel any of that reality here at the TAB. You know what I mean? <laughs> because God has just been at work in us. I don't think it's because we're special or unique or anything like that. I, I do think we've been a group of people that's really tried to hear Jesus. And when you hear Jesus, he'll lead you through this stuff, right? And somehow he's leading us through this stuff. Um, but I told the parents, I said, I don't think there's just a stack of youth pastor resumes out there of people who are just waiting to be our youth pastor. Not to mention, we aren't a typical church that's gonna have a traditional youth group. Uh, We want to train and release people for mission. So we would need to find somebody who could understand that. Well, I want you to know it's the middle of January. Oh, and by the way, over the years, we've almost always raised up our leaders from among our own number. It's been less common for us to call for an outside leader, but we're not opposed to that. So the leadership team has been looking, and I just want you to know, it's January. We announced that search in September, and we have yet to receive one resume for that position. And here's how I interpret that. First of all, and I said this to the parents in the meeting, um, I, I said, we might get candidates and we might pursue them. If we don't, I think it's gonna open up the conversation about what our youth ministry needs to look like in uh, you know, coming years. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have the answers to that question. Nothing ends up being conventional here at the Gospel tab. So we'll just see what God does. Um, but I'm telling you this so that you can pray with us, um, that God would raise up leaders and resources for our youth. It's an important thing, right? And we want to make sure that we're making the right investments in our youth and children. And so please just be in prayer for us in that. We're gonna continue searching um, but at some point here, we're probably going to need to start creating, you know, and thinking about what this could look like for us. So that's an update on the youth pastor. You've already heard that another big thing that's happening is we're launching the Franklin Avenue campus again. This is not the first time we've done it. We held that worship service for a year and a half during a pandemic and it actually went really, really well. But we decided to make some adjustments that more aligned with our value for multiplication. It's relaunching on February 27th. Devontae and Chiara have served as the campus leaders but God has been doing some things in Devontae's life and Devontae I want to ask you to come up here um, How many of you love Devontae? <laughs> so this guy is a little brother to me for real um, and we've we've been thank you Herb we've <laughs> We've been we've been through a lot together Over the years, and um, you know, encountering God together, uh, seeking Him. And I've just had a front row seat to what God is doing in Devontae's life. And Devontae's just been in a discernment process uh, over the last year, asking what he wants to do vocationally. And I am just so in support of that process because I see just really good things happening in Devontae, you know, between him and the Lord as he seeks the Lord on these things. So Devontae has made the decision to step off of our staff here at the Gospel Tab. Kiara is not. She's going to stay on staff. <laughs> but Devontae's going to step off. He's going to remain on staff at Owl Impact. And he's also exploring some business kind of things that he's thinking about starting himself. Um, and I'm just 100% in support of Devontae's process and hearing the Lord on these things. Um, But Devontae came to us as a ministry resident out of Toccoa Falls College, where I also graduated from in northeast Georgia. He has served Aliquib Impact now for 10 years. That's crazy. Something like 10 years. Um, And he has just served you all faithfully here at the Gospel Tab. You're still going to see him around. He's still going to be at service. Uh, at least for a little bit here, he's still going to be in front of us, but I'm sure he'll still be in front of us in some settings in the future, too. We'll see what happens. But, um, but he's still going to be around, but he is stepping off staff. So, Devontae, we bless you and honor you. Thank you. We just thank you. We love you. love you, too. we just extend our hands to Devante? God, we just pray your richest blessing over this next season of Devante's life. He's still part of our family on mission. And so, God, as you lead him at Alequip Impact, as you lead him vocationally, as you lead him in stuff that he's dreaming of, I just pray that this would be a season of refining, of speaking, of clarity. God, we just thank you for the way that he has served us on staff here at the church. Um, He uh, has served with um, cheerfulness, uh, he has served with joy, um, and he brought Kiara to us. So before he stepped off staff, he brought a new staff member <laughs> to the church. And so God, we just thank you for all of that, and we bless him in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. All right. So we want to update you on that. Um, here's another thing. Um. Okay. So, here's something I also want to to fill you in on, and uh, this is a big one. I want you to know, and I'm going to have a lot to say about it um, here, and we are going to go a little late today, but not too late. Um, I want you to know uh, that I have requested a transition plan from the district and the leadership team Um, Both our denominational district and the leadership team here at the TAB to transition out of this lead pastor role. Um, I want to explain to you what that means. Now, here's the risk that I'm taking today in telling you this. Um, It is really early in the process. So I first started processing this with the church's leadership team in July um, and we've been sitting on it, praying about it, meeting with our district leaders, and even still, we don't have a lot of answers. The risk in bringing you in at this stage of the game is that it's not always the, it, it doesn't always feel very reassuring when your leaders don't have specific answers on things. And I understand that, and I realize it may cause some anxiety. Um, but I felt like that risk was worth it to bring you in early on the process, Uh, because in an environment where trust is high, an environment where mutual submission is the norm in leadership, it means that we can do things together. And that's why I'm bringing you in on this, so that we can do it together, so that we can hear God's voice together. Now, I wanna say very clearly, you may ask like, you know, why are you doing this, Joel? I wanna say, with as emphatically as I can, that I'm not doing it because anything is wrong. There has been no conflict that has precipitated this. There's been no division between leaders. There's been no backroom discussions that you don't know about, nothing like that. Um, As a matter of fact, the tab is thriving. Uh, Things are going really, really well. And I'll have the opportunity to talk more about this with you in the future, but I carry a really strong conviction in my leadership that the time to pass things on is when they're doing really well. And we often pass things on too late and miss some of what God is doing. And I think if you look at my trajectory, my history in leadership, Uh, you'll see that that conviction is there, that the time to pass things on is when things are going really well. Um, I have become convinced, and the leadership team and I have talked about this, that where the tab is at now, it likely needs a new kind of leadership in this next season. Um, Can I tell you something about myself? I'm really good at tearing stuff down. And I'm really good at building new things. Those things are in my gifting. Once things are built, I'm not the best at making those things strong and organized and stewarding those things. And this is where we're at, at the tab. I do feel at the limits of what I'm good at right now at the tab. And it's because things are so beautifully built, you know, things are so beautifully getting organized. Um, there's people in our church who really carry those gifts, uh, but I'm not one of them. Um, more than that, um, it's just in my calling to be involved in this this call towards multiplication, and increasingly I'm being pulled um, into the kind of this regional vision for multiplication. Um, and so that's just a reality for me, where God is calling me. Also, this that I've learned this about my gifts over the years, over the last, like, 15 years or so, that one way God really uses uses my gifts, and I realize this may feel, like, confusing, but one way that God really uses my gifts is he, he uses me to make space and then to leave room. And so he'll often call me into a place, and I'll make space, you know, for leaders, for initiatives, for all this stuff, and that's something God has gifted me to do. Um, But oftentimes, it's when I pull out of that space and now there's room left that the really, really good stuff happens. And if you want to see an example of that, look at Aliquippa Impact. I stepped out of... I started that organization, stepped out of the executive director role in 2009. There's been two executive directors since I was there, Steve and then Brandy. And uh, the organization has thrived. the organization has grown. The organization is reaching more kids, not less. Um, I think it's how God uses me to make room and, and to create space and then to make room. So it's just my understanding of what God has put on my life. Now, some questions. Um, You may ask, well, like, what is the timeline? Yeah, we aren't sure. And, And that's what I mean. I don't have a ton of answers for you on these specifics. Um, There are some things I know. I told the leadership team of the church, there's some projects, about six or seven projects, that I'm not going to leave mid-project. One of those projects is relaunching the Franklin Avenue campus. Um, And so I'm going to stick with it until these things are done and until they're buttoned up and until we're sure that things are in a good place, the leadership team and I are talking about that. Also, it may very well be that I play a role in mentoring leaders in this transition, mentoring leaders in the future. So there's just so much we don't know that I really can't speak to you exactly about what the timeline is. But just to clarify, I'm not resigning in front of you today. I'm telling you something that we're processing, something that I've requested, but I am still, at the end of the service, I'm still the lead pastor, all right, Um, but uh, I do want you to know that these conversations are happening. You may ask, well, how will a next lead pastor get selected? That's a great question. Um, We are part of an association of churches, the Christian Missionary Alliance, that has a really solid process and collective wisdom of discernment surrounding these kinds of transitions. So in, in our church, as a member of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the way a our, our new lead pastor gets selected is when three things happen. Uh, number one, the leadership team calls a new lead pastor. All right. Uh, number two, so it's that group of men and women who lead our church. They'll call a new lead pastor at some point. Uh, secondly, our district superintendent, who has authority in our district, will appoint that new leader. So that's the second thing that has to happen as he appoints. And then thirdly, whoever that person is, they have to feel a call to this, right? If those three things come into alignment, then we're able to say, okay, we think this is the direction that God is leading us into. You may ask, do you know who the next pastor is? No, we sure don't. And I mean that. Um, I think both for the staff and the leadership team, our hands are really open at this point. Uh, There may be external candidates who end up putting their name in, Uh, there may be people already in our midst who end up putting their name in. There's no way that I could predict that. Um, You may ask, how is this whole transition gonna get planned? Like, what are the steps gonna be? Um, Well, this is what we're working on right now, and there's a lot of details that aren't put together yet, but the leadership team has been meeting for months and figuring out what a healthy transition could look like Our denominational district, the leaders there, are are providing input and insight. They're bringing a lot of wisdom to those discussions. And friends, this should really encourage you. But just even in the last few weeks, just some really great voices have come around us, Um, people who have been in transitions, people who have done this in other places. Basically, I feel like people are rooting for the Gospel tab right now. And people are coming around us and saying, if you need a conversation, if you need consulting. If you need whatever, we're here to help you process through that. And so I just feel really good about that. And I would say God's bringing voices around us who really like get it, who get us and understand, you know, how in some ways we're different. So I feel really encouraged by that. Um, You may ask, like, how will you stay in the loop and know what's happening? Um, Well, there's going to be a number of things that happen. First of all, this sermon today is really important. And not everybody is here today, obviously, so can I ask you for a favor? When people come to you and ask you questions in the next few weeks, like, what's going on? What did Joel say? Can you tell them to listen to this message on Spotify and on Apple? Or not both, you can just pick one, all right? But Spotify or Apple, Um, and that's a good first step. But next week on Sunday night, we're going to have a congregational meeting. We have it every year. And we're gonna do our normal stuff, select some new leaders. And we're going to, um, uh, we're going to uh, um, you know, talk about the finances of the church. And I'm excited about this. You guys know how you all took that survey, that peak survey? Uh, Brooke Winterman and John Jordan are going to be presenting the results of that to you. It's very encouraging, the stuff that we were able to learn about our church through that. So we'd love for you to be here next Sunday night at 6, but I'm also just going to sit here and let you ask questions next week. And probably over the next year, uh, we will hold several of these congregational meetings. And I don't care if only five people show up or if 100 people show up. I'll sit in front of you, and you can ask whatever question you want. There'll be no dumb questions, all right? Um, I wanna be in conversation with you. Um, there are some people who are gonna be keeping you updated in this transition. Um, the leadership team, Michael Winterman, uh, will sometimes update you as our lead elder, and also Steve Rossi, you who's know, our executive pastor, will keep you updated. And you may be asking this too, like, Joel, are you gonna still be around? The answer is yes, I want you to know that. Um, you know, on sabbatical, Uh, I felt so much like deep shifting happening in my soul. I knew that God was birthing some new things through me. And yet, I was also hearing the Lord say to stay rooted. Um, And so I really think that both of those things are happening. I am leaving a position, lead pastor, at some point here. What I'm not leaving is our movement. Um, I'm not leaving the Greenhouse Network. I'm not leaving the Greenhouse Lab. Um, I'm still, as a matter of fact, I'm a leader now in the district of which this church is a part. Um, I don't know what it will all look like because there's no doubt, by the time there's a new lead pastor, I will need to be submitted to that next lead pastor and the leadership team about how I relate to the tab. And yet, I believe that God has put us together as a family on mission. So um, Chelsea and I are moving in the next few months, but we're moving to Franklin Avenue. So, so case in point, our house is about to go on the market. We're moving back to Franklin Avenue where Levi was born in 2008, <laughs> all right? So we moved away from there in 2009, we're moving back to the row houses on Franklin Avenue. So I don't feel like we're going anywhere. I feel like this is our tribe. I feel like we are in this movement. Um, But I think this particular role will be better served by someone else. And friends, can we just rejoice for a second that the gospel tab is not a place that's lacking in leadership. I mean, come on, you know this. There are so many leaders around here. Our problem here is not going to be like, oh, we need to find leadership. There's lots of leaders in this room, lots of good men and women leading you. Um, and they're going to lead you well through, through this process as well. Now, um, I want you to know something, that even now a lot of my attention is going to the multiplication of things regionally. Some of you have already felt that. You have felt my attention going to all of these outside things. Uh, that is only going to grow, and you should know that I really feel like in this next season, the best investment of time that I can make here at the Gospel Tab is to invest in key leaders who are going to be leading you in this next season. I have got to find the time to give them everything I have in these next few months. Um, And so my attention is going to get really focused on them, and I want you to know that. What that means is, and you've probably felt this, that Steve Rossi's role increasingly is growing, and he's paying more and more attention to all of you. But you should know this, this is a, like his his title hasn't changed, but he essentially has a new job. And so his title hasn't changed, but he's doing all these things he hasn't done before here at the tab. And I'm working with Steve to give him everything that I have as he steps into this role. But in Steve, you have a leader who loves you, who will be patient with you, who hears the Holy Spirit. You can trust him, right, in this next season. Um, And I know that you will show him grace as he learns a new job. Please, church family, show him grace as he figures out how to do a new job. There are things that Steve does not know how to do that now he will be called upon to do. He will learn them but he will need space from you, right? He will need grace from you, all right? Um, but he's already serving you so well. We love you, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you have, um, yeah, I'm not gonna say much about this. My next little note. Friends, there, there are precious few leaders like me with the giftings that I have, multiplication and regional and starting new things and all this stuff. There are few leaders like me who get the privilege of shepherding a group of people. I've been on staff here 15 years in obscurity for the large part. Like, we're not a big deal. You know, I'm not a famous pastor. We're not a famous church. Um, Precious few leaders get that gift, and it has forever changed me, and I would wish it on anybody. I would wish this experience on anybody, Um, particularly if they are really gifted, particularly if they are charismatic. Nothing will shape them better than this. Um, And I'll have a lot more, like, reflections on this, but I just want you to know I've just loved doing this. Um, The good days, the bad days, when you're nice, when you're cranky, (laughs) it just doesn't matter. I've just loved it. I've just loved it. Um, And I've loved being with you in this role, but I'll have plenty more time to talk about that in the future. Hey, what a great time to be fasting, amen, and to seeking the Lord together. Listen, if you've been here for a long time, there's about 10% of our church that has been here for multiple decades. If you've been here for a long time, well, then you know how faithful God has been to us in 105 years, and you can trust him in this next season. If you've been part of this season of renewal, particularly in the last 10 years or so, then you know that this renewal has never been about a person, a logo, a personality. It's been about Jesus in our midst, and the rubber might hit the road here, but this is actually what we're all about at the Gospel Tab, is Jesus himself in our midst. It's what we value the most. And if you're new, because there's always new people at the Tab, I want you to know, I think the timing is perfect. I think God has called you here for this season. I would not discount at all how God has linked you to this family for this season, and so do not be afraid because God is going to be at work through this. I'm gonna wrap up here in five minutes. Let's get back to the passage. The second week of Advent, I had my Bible open to Matthew 12 and was reading was reading about John the Baptist, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And I started to pray in my chair. I was like, God, prepare the way for us. Prepare the way for us. Prepare the way for us. Now, notice how my language changed there from what the passage says. There is a theme in the scriptures of God preparing the way for us. Moses and Israel going through the Red Sea. Joshua, you couldn't have picked a better passage for today, Kiara. Um, generational transfer, all of it is in that passage. Um, there, there is a theme in the scriptures of God preparing the way for us, but I just heard a gentle correction from the Lord and I heard him say, that's not what this is about. No, that's not what John the Baptist was saying. He wasn't preparing the way for a church or a movement or a network or a ministry or a logo or a personality. He was preparing the way for Jesus. And John had an orientation toward Jesus that just could not be shaken. John the Baptist said about him and about his ministry, he said, I'm not even even worthy to hold Jesus' sandals. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I want you to know that's true of the whole Gospel tab, of the whole network, of our ministries, of our lives. We're not even worthy to untie his sandals. Um, It's just like it's so about him that it's like nothing else matters, literally nothing else. And I've said over the years, please don't give your life to the Gospel tab or to the Greenhouse Network or to the Christian Missionary Alliance. Give your life to the one who can baptize with fire. Give your life to the one whose sandals we aren't even worthy to untie or to hold. He is so infinitely more than we are. Um, So much of what we think is important just isn't. And you know what the paradox is in that? It makes everything important. It's like when things become ultimately important, we actually cheapen them. When it's about our church or our movement or a leader, we actually cheapen those things. But when we make it about Jesus, he's so generous and so good that it's like everything becomes important in light of his presence. Um, this next season of transition for the tab, whatever it holds, and I don't have all the answers, I just am committing in my heart in this season to point you to Jesus even more to answers than answers or strategy or whatever. Friends, in this season, we gotta point each other to Jesus. Listen, now I've made this announcement, this transition is going to happen to all of us on different levels. There will be emotions that you have to process, things that you have to think through. But just point each other to Jesus, to his goodness, to his grace, to his kindness, to his power. Um, And I I don't know, I'm probably going to get anxious some too in the next few months. I'll have to process my own anxiety, but I just feel something in me. And it started during Advent that was like your only job, literally, is to point people to Jesus. Like that is it. And everything else will get taken care of. And it's interesting, that got burned in my heart, and it's showing up in some of your hearts during this fast, that same thing, just to keep it about Jesus because when we keep it about him we just become invincible then even if we die like John the Baptist did by the way but we've pointed to him we'll still be successful there will still be movement god's plan will still go forward it's like following jesus is about like either praying and contending for the breakthrough or dying and we often don't know which is going to happen but when we just surrender ourselves to that we're successful Right? Because Jesus will have his way. So, wherever you're positioned in this, um, there's no avoiding it, but we can point each other to Jesus in this next season. And I just believe, okay, I, I, I have done with this. Guys, I was supposed to make this announcement two weeks ago. Like, what the heck happened? You know? And I'm so sorry if it was disappointing to you that we said we're going to make an announcement and then we didn't. But can I just tell you what I was experiencing on Sunday, January 9th? Um, I came in here with these same notes. I made these notes two weeks ago Um, and I came in and we're all ready. And you should know this about Jake. This is how God works in environments of mutual submission. Jake came to me that morning. We prayed in the overflow room. And he said, Joel, God's put something on my heart to lead worship out of because this Jesus-only thing has been rising up in him too. And he was like, "He was like, I want to um, I lead in a certain way. He said, but I want to stay. I know you have a big announcement. I want to be submitted. I want to be conscious of time. He was so submitted. And I'm pointing this out because this is how the kingdom of God works. Like when we stay submitted the power of God will begin to flow through someone, right? You do not have to be in charge of things or control things for God to work through your life. It's actually the opposite. I mean, just stay submitted and give up control. It will create room for God to work. So he starts leading worship and to me, and I know these things are subjective, but to me, two weeks ago, I felt a weightiness to God's presence fill this room. Two Sundays ago was not the craziest Sunday we've had in terms of manifestations. Can I just talk to the family for a second? There weren't very much of people shaking or laid out on the floor or whatever. We've had those things before, right? There actually wasn't much of that on Sunday. It was just like this weight that was on us. And years ago, I got a prophetic word. The word was this. It was like, Joel, there's gonna be times when God visits the group of people you're in and you're gonna have a choice to make to either stand up, and I know Steve said some of this last week, to either stand up like the priests sometimes chose to do in the Old Testament. They would just continue to minister under the weight of God's presence. You're gonna have a choice to either stand up or like sometimes happened to the Old Testament priests, you'll have a choice to lay down. And I just heard the Lord say, lay down. So I got on my face over here. Um and what happened next, I want you to know the Monday after january 9th january 10th our staff talked about what we would do differently you know i i normally lead those environments here at the tab when god interrupts us that way i normally. but i didn't have the mic john weber got the mic and brooke got the mic and steve got the mic and jake had the mic and a team of people who love you tried their best to steward what god was doing And Monday morning, they all had things they would do differently. I have no doubt that they'll do it differently. But are any of us experts at stewarding God's manifest presence? Do any of us really know what we're doing here? As long as we can admit that and not over-spiritualize the decisions we make, as long as we don't take ourselves too seriously, we'll be okay, right? There's been a few times in my life that God's presence has been so weighty, I have simultaneously felt two things, a, a, a distinct sense of dread, and so much grace in the room. And I felt that two Sundays ago. I thought we could die, and God is so gracious. He's just coming in so close to us. Um, And so I stayed here while they led, and between the submission and the team of people leading, to me, you can interpret it how you want, but I'm just telling you what Jesus did with me. He said, Joel, this is what it's gonna look like at the Gospel Tab in this next season. The people are ready to steward what I'm giving them. They're, they don't need you to have the mic. There's only more revival in the future. I, don't you see I've already put the leaders in the midst? Um, and they're gonna be able to do it. They might, they're gonna need their own journey. So making mistakes and saying things the right way or whatever, I don't know. But the point isn't, do you guys realize there are church services all across America where everything is perfect? Produced and mics don't go out and people don't have colds and and there's not you know and I'm saying like and someone doesn't preach too long and it's not too hot in the room you know what I'm saying like there are services where every last thing is perfect and God's presence isn't moving in the room. Just because something is produced and perfect does not mean he's there. Now, I'm not advocating for sloppiness. I'm just saying that getting people in a room and doing some activities is not necessarily the church. The church is God's presence in the midst of his people. That's what has always been God's people. That's what the church has been. And I'm not advocating for sloppiness. We'll get better at it. We'll figure out the temperature. I don't know, it's hot. But I'm just saying, any day our mark of success not has to be, did we say everything right? Did we do everything right? Did we it's was Jesus in our midst? Was he manifested in the midst of us? Did we respond in repentance? When he showed up with a winnowing fork in his hand, did we lean in no matter the cost? Did we lean in? Did we go under the waters of baptism and say, give me more baptism of fire? Jesus? Did we repent and turn toward him? Um, Friends, as long as we can do that, I'm not worried about the gospel tab. I'm really not. I'm not worried about this church. I'm not worried about our future. I'm so confident because Jesus is in our midst. I don't know how you all felt last Sunday. I'm sure it was frustrating for some of you. And that's legitimate, by the way. It's okay for us all to have our emotional process. But can I just tell you, I got up off the floor so at peace. I came in with so much anxiety. And I got off the floor, these last two weeks, I've been like floating on a cloud. That's just like, what's the worst that could happen? We could die. I mean, what's, what's the worst that could happen? So we die for Jesus and still win, right? What are we afraid of? Um, like God has us. Friends, you've been very patient Michael, can you come just close for us?
1: When Joel transitioned us um, to his announcement, he said, and here's another thing. Um, And then he began to just very carefully shepherd us Um, through what is a weighty communication, right? Um, Joel mentioned um, 15 years here at the Gospel Tab, and we have grown to become very familiar and comfortable with Joel's leadership. And it's not because it's predictable, um, and it's not because it's safe, um, but we know him, and we love him, and we trust him. And I just feel like, like what I was receiving here was just so incredibly pastoral, Um, I I knew that Jewel was making this announcement, but I had no idea how he would say it, so I was formulating thoughts in my own mind of how to just help to transition us um, in this season. But I really just appreciate how well he did that for us, Um, just the way that he loved us and being so gentle and reminding us of God's hand, Um, not just in the life of this church, right? I think about the, the scripture that Kiara chose. There's a delicate and complicated transition that happened, um, in that passage that we read together this morning, right? Moses, um, who delivered God's people out of Egypt, right? Dynamic leader. I mean, like, there's, there, there aren't many more characters in the Bible that are more familiar to us than Moses. Um, in a place of transition to Joshua, but look at God's hand on his people, right? And here we are all these years later celebrating the ongoing work of God throughout the world. And so, you know, a couple of things I want to do. I know that it's late. Um, I just want to make sure that we honor Joel, um, in this season, uh, we bless who Joel is and who he's becoming and what he's done um, and what he'll do. So in this season of transition, we said we don't know how long this is going to take. Um, let's just continue to bless and honor uh, what Joel has seeded and deposited and nurtured um, in the gospel tab. And we're just looking forward to more of what that'll look like. It's going to be different, um, but we look forward to what this next season of Influence um, in the life of this movement uh, will look like with Joel, And so, yeah, let's just do that. Um, in your own way, right? In your own time, um, the ways that God leads you. Um, let's just remember to be super intentional to bless and honor um, Joel and Chelsea um, and their family. I, I had to laugh, like when Joel was talking about his transition, um, when Joel and Chelsea uh, got married, uh, they started their, their marriage together on Franklin Avenue, and they moved all the way to Plan 12, which is about a half mile away, And then they moved, literally, a stone's throw from there. And now they're moving all the way back down to Franklin Avenue. And so I just hear something in that, right? We see something that's like, well, God, I feel like there's something about, you know, Jewel's rootedness here um, that we can learn from. Um, So the other thing um, that I want to do this morning is I just want to acknowledge the questions and maybe the anxiety that comes with an an announcement like this. Um, You know, I talk about, like, this succession between Moses and, and Joshua. It's delicate. Um, It's complicated, and we want to create space for you to feel um, whatever you're doing, and we want to come alongside of you in that, so I'm going to ask um, those of you who are here this morning that are on the leadership team, um, if you could stand um, where you are. Uh, Joel referenced just the way that our body is blessed um, with good leadership, and so these folks are a picture of that. I'm going to ask the staff, if you're on staff here, I'm going to ask you to stand up as well. Um as you have questions in this season. Um these would be great folks to go to with your questions. Joel, uh referenced, you know, if someone isn't here, have them watch um this service on Facebook or these other platforms that it's available on YouTube and Spotify. Um but also these are the folks that you want to ask those questions to and, and I'll just tell you now, they they may not have answers to all of your questions and that's okay. And so we need to create space um for that. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Um but yet, let's, let's make sure they're asking the right people the right questions and then just creating space for God to move and work um, as he begins to outline the plan uh, for us as a body. Um, and then the last thing, um, we don't know exactly how god is going to resource us um in this season but we do have a call to action Um, we each have a prayer assignment and so i want to invite you and i do think the timing of all this in the season of fasting um, is is so of god Um, but i want to encourage you to continue to seek god with us and to pray alongside of your leadership team for god to give continued direction Uh, for the Gospel tab. Um, I was with um, a long-time member of this church. Um, Some of us went to visit her this week. Um, She's someone that I would identify identify as a saint and a matriarch, but it's not because of the visible leadership roles that she's been in, but it's because of how desperately she has loved and prayed for this church. Um, And of all the things that happened um, in that time that we were together, I, I cried like a baby at times. Um, Just as she shared stories of God's faithfulness um, in our church and in this family. But the thing that she kept asking um, in her limited opportunity to engage, as she said, kept asking, like, how's the church? Are there young people? Are, Are new people coming? She just wanted to know, like, what's happening? Because she has invested her life um, in this move of God. And like, it was so interesting to me and all of the things that we could have talked about, the thing that she kept coming back to, she's 95 years old and she's more lucid and has greater sense of clarity. And I think recall than I do. Um, but she was like, I just like, I just want to know that God is continuing to hold you. Um, and then she just continued to emphasize the way uh, that she has been praying uh, for us. And so I feel like that's what God has called us to. Um, is to continue to lift this body and to lift our leadership um, before the Lord in this transition. So can we do that together? All right. We've had some fun uh, together this morning. We've laughed. We celebrate each other. Joy even said that I'm, you know, expecting to be the lead elder, but that does come with a vote of the congregation. So I don't know that we'll see how it goes next Sunday. Um, I hope my campaign manager did, you know, did the work that I hired him to do. Um, I love all these votes that we take here. They're always uncontested. um, But there's something super good about that. Um, But anyway, I'm going to invite you all to stand. I'm going to invite our prayer ministers to come forward. Um, Can I just say thanks for hanging in there with us this morning? Um, If you're hungry or if you have to go to the bathroom, I'm sorry. Um, But we needed to say this, um, and we needed this to happen this morning. And the way that it did. And so if you want prayer this morning, um, if there's anything, you know, emotional, physical, relational, um, we have folks that are trained uh, to pray and to listen, um, and you'll be blessed because you came. And so those folks will be up here in the front. Um, but as we go, let me just, just pray blessing over us. Father, we trust you. Lord, we just see your hand throughout all of this story. And Lord, so we just lean into a God who is faithful, um, a God who knows the beginning from the end, a God who just continues to demonstrate his gentleness um, and his care and his concern for his people. And so, Lord, we just lean into your everlasting arms this morning. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you uh, and we say that we trust you. We trust you in this transition. Lord, we trust you for Joel and Chelsea and their family. Uh, Lord, we trust you for us as a local body. And Lord, we look forward to what this new expression of your church will look like. Lord, we look forward to what this new expression of a family on mission will look like. Or I just think about the way that all of these things are coming together. This isn't about the gospel tab. Um, this isn't about the Greenhouse Network. This isn't about the Western Pennsylvania District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. This is about a move of God and about your church everlasting. And so, Lord, we just celebrate the opportunity to be a part of this time and this season in the life of your church. And, Father, we just submit ourselves to you. Lord, I just pray you be with our people as we go. Um, Lord, I just pray that your watch care would be over them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would quiet any questions and anxiety um, in this season. And, Lord, that they would just take um, any thought captive and make it obedient to you. And, Lord, that they would turn their heart and their attention towards seeking your face. Um, in this season. So Lord, we just thank you for what happened here this morning, uh, for the story that's been told, and for the story that will be told. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.